Hey folks, I just wanted to uh, explain some of the context of these episodes. I recorded much of the, most of these in the fall um, because of the conventions that I went to in the fall and other malaise in making new stuff. It took me a while to get myself together to actually finish and upload these episodes so there'll be some talk of stuff that happened in the past or about conventions at that time period this is my quick little disclaimer it should be no longer than a minute it won't be on a whole bunch of episodes but on a few days i guess you can just skip a minute once you start hearing this part all right peace What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ignorant Bliss. Uh, I'm Julian Lionel, for those who don't know. I'm the host and creator of the show. On this episode, I am talking to Whit Taylor, a cartoonist that I met many years ago at SPX. She's done work in many different outlets. The Nib is one. She self-produces her own comics. Uh, she has a book coming out through Rosarian Press this year. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Um, at the end, I usually give all the links and, and such. All right, here we go. Peace. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. It's a new week. Hopefully it's better than previous weeks. You know, yeah. new beginnings. Yeah, that's what I say every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, should I call you uh, Wit during the podcast? Yeah, that, that works. All right. I wanted, I wanted to make sure I say the right thing. Okay. Um... So, have you ever listened to my show before? I, I don't know who pe- if people actually listen to my show ever or I've not. I've listened to two episodes. Okay. Do you remember which ones Which ones were they? Oh, um, one of them was on, um, uh, what was that? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, was that that scandal that happened with your <laughs> man? Yeah, 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 yeah. The one when I had like the group of people on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and then some other... Ones that I can't specifically remember. It's been like a few months, but I oh, have listened. All good. To you. Okay, thanks. So, huh, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to start, and I want to do something that not everybody usually asks. Um, okay. So, what what brought you into um, into working? Uh, in the medium of comics to tell these these stories and observations and ideas that I see in your work? Yeah, um, well, uh, I mean, it kind of happened gradually, but I'll, I guess I'll start by saying that I, I started reading comics from an early age, so it was always like a medium that made a lot of sense to me. Um, just as someone who both loves to write and also likes to draw it just made sense um and so I also you know when I was in college I I had an interest in in film as well so I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker and I did some and I did an internship I made my own short films and whatnot and it's not like that that drive ever went away but I feel like a lot of that energy ended up going into call into comics like when I started focusing on them more seriously like after college because it was a way that was more 
number one, more affordable and just more, it's just easier to do to be able to tell my own stories in the way I want with just like pencil and paper instead of having to like have a lot of money to do things. Um, so it satisfied my storytelling need and it was just like a medium, I guess I was already familiar with. Okay. Um, what, uh, what about comics and cartooning really spoke to you? Um, in terms of, I guess, as a, as a reader of comics. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I've always just found them to be really absorbing. Um, I, you know, I've, I've mentioned this a few times that like, I, I was never, I struggled with reading like, uh, novels and, uh, quote unquote normal books when I was a kid. Um, I think it's partially because I had, like, a, a bad attention span. Like, actually, as an adult, I was diagnosed with ADHD, and I wonder if I had it as a kid because I was a girl. I just never, like, picked up on it. But, like, comics was a way for me to, like, was a way for me to, like, become absorbed in something and not, not lose my attention. Um, it was just something that was a lot easier for me to, to um, I guess, get invested in. Um, and I like just the way that, um, I don't know, I, I think that, the thing that makes comics so special is, is aside from just the obvious of, you know, art and, and story is pacing. And I think that with comics, you have a lot of control over how you want the story to unfold and in, in which, and in what fashion and how quickly or how slowly. Um, and I, I was always interested when I was reading things, whether it was like, you know, uh, generation X when I was like really into that as a kid or, uh, you know, a drawn and quarterly graphic novel when I was like in my late twenties, just seeing like the different styles of, of storytelling, um, and realizing, I guess when I was in my twenties and really starting to take it more seriously that I could tell any story I wanted really, it didn't have to be confined to, um, you know, one sort of thing. Um, I remember the first time I saw your work, and I think I saw you was at SPX. It was a while ago. It was like I think it was 2011, and that's when I think you put out uh, Watermelon. Yeah. And I picked it up off of a whim because I was like, oh, this was like, I think at that time I didn't even see that many black people at SPX, so I was like, oh, this is a black woman cartoonist. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this off the strength. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was my first SPX. I remember when you came up. Um, and you introduce yourself. Yeah, I, there weren't a lot of black people <laughs> back then, were there? No. Uh, it's changed a lot, I think, in the past uh, few years, and that's a, it's pretty good. It's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Watermelon came out in 2011, yeah. Yeah, and um, talk, it was interesting for me to read because it was, uh, I guess... At that time, and maybe even still now, I'm still not the biggest auto-bio comics person. Yeah. Because I've read a lot of comics over the years, and I got to a point where it's like, they started to feel like, woe is me, look at my sad life. Yeah, definitely. Blah, 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 blah. And then, like, yours was, I think, dealt with something that I wasn't used to, because it felt like, uh, it was like, a narrative of, like, a black kid in a school with like a lot of like white kids mm -hmm. and that perspective. And for me, I grew up in the DC area in PG County, which is like the most affluent black community in the country. Yeah. So like white people are the minority to me. So it was like, Oh, the few white kids was around. It was like the cool white kids, you know, they could like dance and, Stuff it was like, oh, okay, you know, these these are the hip white kids. It's like a whole bunch of Justin Timberlakes and Christina Aguilera's or something. It's like, oh, you guys are down. So, yeah. but I never had that feeling of like, like I had to learn these things and like your comic helped. It was that um, was part of the reason you decided to tell your story was to I guess put something out to help. I don't know. Um, let's say inform other people of this experience, while also like explaining your experience to other people but also maybe even um showing to maybe other people that had experiences like you that like you're not alone i don't 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was a bunch of things. Like, number one, like, I think that I just needed to get stuff off my chest. There was stuff I've been holding on to that I felt like I needed to talk about. Um, like you said, like, I grew up in suburban, like, northern New Jersey, predominantly white town, sort of conservative. Like, I mean, like, my, my crowd, we were, like, probably, like, the few bunch of kids whose parents were, like, Democrats. But, like, you know what I mean? It was, like... It was just like a very different sort of place and like for instance where my, my my mom grew up like in New Orleans, you know. Um, so I was I did feel very like cut off from like this like black community that I had never like been I was never grew up in, even though like I had bits and pieces of it just like through my like visiting my family and various friends and whatnot. But uh so part of it was like I guess therapeutic on some level. And then the other part was, like, yeah, I wanted to, like, kind of demystify or, like, tackle these topics that, like, people didn't really want to address or didn't know how to have a, a dialogue about, whether that's, like, something like music or, like, pop culture related or whether it's something like Black History Month, which is, you know, something that black people have really complicated feelings about or Africa or, you know, uh, interracial dating and all sorts of stuff that, like, are kind of, um, I feel like now, like given where we are kind of in the country right now, these are things that we're seeing all talked about all the time, like on the internet. But like, I mean, I think it's safe to say that even in 2011, that wasn't something that at least I wasn't seeing a lot of it being discussed openly. And so I, I wanted to make a comic about it. And, and you know, it's, uh, it, I feel like it did, I did hear from people who said that it helped them both black and white and who said that like that um, the comic was helpful for them and not only like understanding things for themselves, but also being able to like talk to, you know, family members or coworkers or, um, you know, friends about these issues. Yeah. I think you were, you were pretty ahead of the ball because you're right. I don't remember some of the dialogues that I've seen and, and been engaged in maybe in the last, three years or so i don't remember having you know back back in that time it was just like oh like it was just it just it wasn't it really wasn't so welcome about like the whole nature of being the one black person in these in these places or very few it just seems like i guess everybody was caught on this this whole wave of like we've moved past this it's not that big of a thing and everybody just kind of just didn't talk about it. Um, yeah. Looking at your, at your work, I think there's a, um, you can almost see like how it's made. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I was looking through ghosts and like, I could see like the, like I could see that it's like a pencil and I like uh, the marker strokes. And when I see like your black and white work, it just feels like I'm like seeing the marks of the pen on the page. Is that a very conscious decision to have this um, feel to make like make your work look like almost like the viewer is looking like at the original pieces instead of a replica uh, replication, i.e. like a printed book or such? Yeah. Um yeah, I appreciate that you said that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a conscious decision. I think, you know, when I first started, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say that it was necessarily a conscious decision. I was just, like, making stuff, like, and I was like, I have computer paper, I have, like, you know, these microns, like, I'm just going to draw it and then use my crappy scanner, and that's that. Um, but as I, you know, as I've, you know, uh, progressed or whatever, like I've decided I've like, yeah, made a, a choice to, you know, for instance, work with markers and leave this, the marker strokes in, um, or like have things not be a hundred percent accurate in terms of like, uh, different like details in terms of how I draw things. Like I, and I've gotten that a lot, like, like, you know, on the more negative side, I've gotten, Oh, you draw like a child. And then on the more positive side, there's like this, there's a realization that there's like an intention intentionality. Is that a word? I don't know. There's like an intention there to yeah. like have a kind of like crafty and kind of just like directly from like, I don't know, just more raw. And like, yeah, that is, that is a decision that I think I've made. Um, 
and I mean, I've seen changes in my work over time. Now I've started to like play with digital, um, and I do it a little bit more for like some nib things, just because I think that's more of like a, a style that works for them. But like in my more personal work, I've pretty much chosen to keep it that way. Um, so yeah, I would I would say it's a it's a decision. I'm always of course working to like refine it and make it more effective. But yeah, I feel like you know that's kind of what I do, I guess. Yeah. Um... I've noticed the progression too. Just looking at your work over the years, it just seems like you're uh, you're more f- focused on the message you're trying to to say. Like your um, the economy of of what you're drawing is more focused. Yeah. So um, it's like when I look at when I look at the older stuff, it's like you're making stuff, and then like when I. Like, I literally was just flipping through ghosts, like, before I got on. I was like, yeah, there's, like, you're, like, you're focusing on, like, what type of panels and what type of views that you want to show to carry this story out. Speaking of ghosts, um, what what made you want to tell that type of story of you, like, meeting these people that you admire along with putting like these stories like in the middle of each section like what was the what was the impetuous for making that that type of story that type of book uh sure well first i should say that ghost is going to be republished um as part of a collection of stories from rosarium coming out in january 2018 so it's going to be one of two other stories um but within the ghost like you said there's like all these there's little stories so it's like a story of a character pretty much me who like gets the option to meet three dead idols and then that happens and it kind of leads to this dealing with uh trauma and so like i i pretty much it is a weird is a weird process so like as you can probably as you can you know tell from the story i had this like traumatic event this uh, assault that happened uh, a few years back and when it happened I like kind of decided I didn't know how to deal with it like I thought I dealt with it by making some comic I put on tumblr and then I was like I'm done everything's fine but like as like most you know a lot of research shows with like post-traumatic stress disorder people don't end up really dealing with stuff until like months down the line when it all of a sudden hits them and they like can't function or do things and that's like what happened to me so I, I went through a period where I didn't couldn't make comics like I I quit my job, I moved home with my parents, I turned 30, I was like, I was just like, not. I was having a hard time, um, and it wasn't until like a few months after that that I started trying to like figure out how to tell this story, but I didn't really know what I was doing, um, and with most of my comics, I, you know, prior to that, I usually had like written a script usually, just because of like my, my background with film stuff, and then I'd kind of break it down and, and make the comic from there, but with this thing, I, I didn't even do that I just started kind of drawing it and I wasn't sure where it was going to go um and ultimately it was really like an opportunity for me to like to process what had happened um and I think that what resulted from that was in terms of my comics work was like opening up my process and learning to not be so rigid about how I tell stories um and becoming more economical, like you mentioned with my words, like trying to figure out, you know, what are, what's the most impactful stuff I, I can say in the least words, like what's the most powerful image with the least, you know, uh, busyness. Um, and that, and there's like the little stories is like, I wanted to weave a lot of different themes together. And I thought that by like having these short stories, it all had related elements that I, that I could do it that way. I hope that like, sort of explains it yeah well like i get it hopefully that the listeners they probably get it hopefully they're smart people it's uh, a book to talk about you know honestly and I'm, I'm gonna have to get used to talking about it um now that it's being republished but yeah. what i what i will say is that since it's come out i've had a lot of people reach out to me who've been through similar experiences who found it to be helpful and that's really like probably the most meaningful um, result of making it. Well, that's good. Um, so on continuing to work, um, 
what about wallpaper? Like, what was the um, the origins of of making that story in that book? Sure. Um, I'm also gonna say that's that's in the book too. Uh, so, to be honest, I like started wallpaper because I was working full time, um, and I had this like really bad commute. And I was doing like comics projects on top of that. And I was like really burnt out. And I was like, I just want to like come home and draw something and not have to like get really like deep into a story. So I just started drawing these like patterns. I've always liked, you know, wallpaper patterns and whatnot. And then I had like enough images where I was like, you know what? I kind of want to make a story based off of just images and like tell like tell a story without actually drawing any people or showing people interacting, but like allowing the reader to look at these patterns and like feel emotions and, and get details out of that, um, through that. And then just like a few, some words. Um, and I, so I tried to tell the story from the perspective of like someone younger. Um, I don't like really specify the age, but it's someone who's like, you know, uh, elementary school age, maybe a little bit older. Um, and I, it just like, I wanted to reflect back to like my time growing up and like, it's pretty much based off of like a true story. Um, I, I grew up in this house that was like, when my parents, like when we moved in, it was like in terrible condition. It was like full of terrible seventies stuff. My parents like renovated it over a period of time. I mean, my mom has this real eye for, um, renovation and antiques and she actually she's actually an antique dealer now but like that not when I was a kid but now she is but um, I kind of wanted to focus on all the surroundings and all the visceral things you experience when you're a child that you can't fully like make sense of and all the things that adults do that don't fully make sense but you just have to go with it because you're a kid um, <laughs> and so that that was kind of like I guess what I was writing about um, so yeah, I didn't really have any expectations when I wrote that one, but I'm, I'm happy with how it came out. Okay. So next year is basically this, those two are being repackaged together or is it multiple stories along with ghosts and wallpaper so, in this, in this, um, new printing through Rosarium press. Sure. Um, it's ghosts and it's wallpaper and then it's a, a third story that's um uh yeah it's, it's a third story that's like some somehow related um and what i what i will say about them is like you know you, you mentioned like feeling kind of like over autobio and to be honest like i've actually been feeling like that recently and it, which is like a, a confusing thing to feel when like that's what you built your like comics career off of <laughs> but it's like you know you need to like i'm in my like early 30s right now i'm just like i'm not an interesting person i'm boring like nothing's novel like maybe that's depression i don't know i'm just like over like running about my life explore writing about your life that like are different from just like the straightforward stuff um and it's not to knock the straightforward stuff like I will still always do that and I still have great admiration for the people who do it really well you know um but I wanted to like make stories that were like slightly autobio but like do it from like different angles if that makes any sense like new perspectives on it like not yeah. from a, a first person point of view but still about I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's like one thing that kind of connects all all three of the um the stories in the book. Okay. And you said it's going to come out early next year? Yeah, so January 2018. Okay. Yeah. So I've noticed that you've done a lot of stuff with the nib. How did that come about? Did they just did he did Matt Bores runs that? Is that Michael correct with that? Yeah, um Matt Bores is uh the the person in charge. Um, I, I think, well, so I guess I started making comics for them in 2015. Um, 
And I'm, I'm assuming it probably happened through my friend, um, Alari, who's one of the, she's an editor um, there. And um, I just, they reached out to me about doing something for International Women's Day. And I said yes. Um, so that was like my first comic I did. It was about black women and mental health. And um, from there, they just, you know, kept, um, you know, reaching out to me or I would, you know, pitch ideas to them. Um, and they've just been a real pleasure to work with, uh, you know, from the beginning. So they, they really let me kind of focus on some of the things that I want to explore. Um, and it's just like, it's a great platform, you know. Is it a larger platform? Is it a pretty large platform in terms of audience? Do you get, do you get newer people, in, um, I guess, discovering you and your work through your um, comics that, that's been on the nib? Uh, yeah. So, you know, my, my, uh, I guess more personal autobio stuff, I feel like it's, it almost in some ways feels slightly separate from the nib stuff. Um, I feel like with the nib, I've gotten like a different audience of readers in some, on, um, in some ways I've had, I've gotten a lot of, uh, other work from just the exposure from being on the nib, um, and just opportunities, you know, to be on panels, to do talks about different things, uh, had you know teachers reach out to me about using comics to teach with which was really exciting to me um so yeah i think it's been really great and just like expanding my readership so um when you work with the nib do they do they try to direct you in what they in terms of like a subject matter or do you get to freely pick what you like to write about and is it always focused on I'm guessing more political current events things yeah anything so else there's like kind of two different things so the there there is like um I don't even know like what it is really it's kind of like a group within the nib called the response um which is like typically been like creators of color discussing race related things. And so that's something that like start Matt started cultivating, I guess, like, I mean, I first participated in it in 2015 and then like the nib went on that hiatus for a bit and then it started up again. Um, so with like those things were like, like the last uh, thing where there was like five um, cartoonists or, or cartoon, like black cartoonists discussing Trump, um, which came out a few weeks ago. Like that was something that came from the nib, like reaching out to specific creators to like, do this project. Um, but for the things that I've done that are like kind of longer form. So like I did, for instance, something on like cultural appropriation or, uh, something on rate, like, um, what was it on? Um, like pseudoscience and race or hair. Those are things that I, I suggested just cause like I wanted to, you know, make comics about those issues and I felt like they needed to, uh, exist. I like, I like, I like that it allows me to like explain or break down concepts or ideas that I, that I find interesting. Um, so, and also, yeah, it is like a lot of it is political. I think a lot of my work has been focused on, you know, race, um, and culture, society, um, and of course, um, politics. Yeah. Is that, um, did doing work with the NIV give you a good, uh, outlet? for getting those those feelings out with a lot of the things that's been happening in the last uh couple of years oh oh totally um yeah i mean it's uh yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to think of how i want to say it. yeah i think it's it is um it is really helpful to explore like you know topics that i i think need a wider discussion um, and of course there's always like, you know, the shorter, like, um, political cartoons and I'm not really like a gag cartoonist. Like I don't really do that sort of stuff, but it is fun to do like, you know, shorter pieces on political figures and whatnot. Um, I actually have a piece that's probably coming out next week that, uh, that I wrote on a, a certain, uh, infamous New Jersey politician, uh, that I actually, I wrote, I didn't draw, because I, I was like, I, I don't know, I wanted somebody else to draw it, I wanted to team up with someone, so, um, yeah, it's just a good opportunity to do stuff like that. Okay, I was looking at your website earlier, because you know I'm trying to be a good host, get my yeah. prep game in, and I've noticed that you did some editing also, um, how did you get into editing, and 
how is that different from I'm guessing making your own comics for yourself or contributing to certain things like anthologies it's definitely like a different skill set in a way but like if you have if you're a cartoonist and you're editing other people's comics like the the personal your personal cartooning skills can definitely inform your editing um I guess I got into it because I, I edited an anthology called uh, called Subcultures, which came out in 2014, and that really just kind of started by chance. Um, I had a friend, uh, Dan Mazer, who has a press up in Boston, which is where I was living at the time, called Ninth Art Press, um, and they do this annual anthology, and he's like, do you want to be the guest editor for this year? Like, you can pick the topic. And um, I picked Subcultures because I thought it would be a good way for cartoonists to be able to explore a variety of different uh, topics, either personal things that are like, you know, personal to them or, you know, something more like journalistic nonfiction. And so it started from there and uh, definitely was like a a learning curve. Like, um, you know, whenever you look back, whether it's like your personal cartooning work or like things you edit, you realize things that you could have done better. Um, But I feel like that that goes without saying. Um, I'm still really like proud of that that um, anthology, and just from there, like I started, you know, um, getting opportunities to edit little things, wh- whether it's for like web work or um, or print things. And I, I love editing. It's something, of course, I still feel like I'm new at, um, but it's something that I definitely want to get better at. Um, and I recently co-edited um, a, an anthology called Comics for Choice with um, Hazel Nulevan and O.K. Fox, who are also based in New York. And Hazel's also the publisher for that book. Um, and she did a fantastic job kind of uh, spearheading the project. So, yeah. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. You seem to have been able to... Um to have enough people interested in your work that you've gotten a chance to speak about comics. How, how is that? Like how, um, what is your feelings on, on that, that people reach out to you to have you on panels and discussions about comics and I guess different topics of like, I guess have like black people in comics and other different things. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I never expected that, that that those opportunities would happen, and I, I feel very fortunate that they have. Um, I, I do feel like there's a, a growing interest to hear from different sorts of voices, um, which I think is is great. Um, to be honest, like public speaking is really like difficult for me. Like not in terms of how I actually do, but like leading up to that, I usually have like hardcore anxiety and like wanted to start crying, but like I make myself do it anyway and it usually goes fine. But, uh, it's something that is, is a little like hard for me, but I make myself do it anyways. Like I'm supposed to be moderating a panel for SPX. Um, they reached out to me about doing that and I'm really excited because there's a lot of cartoonists that I respect, but I'm, I don't know. I have, I have a little bit of public uh, speaking anxiety, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, that's a common fear, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking in front of large people, a large group amount of people is very, is very, very hard. It's very, I never, I didn't like it. I couldn't do it until recently until I learned how to, uh, I guess, put on a character. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is having to, like, kind of distance yourself from your fear a little bit and, like, just act like it's not there, maybe. I don't know. It's, like, it's very psychological, you know? Yeah, it may, like, certain things, uh, when I, when I look at certain interviews with, like, pop stars or something like Michael Jackson used to say, yeah, he had to like, he had like an entire internal character he would put on just to go out and perform, especially when he was younger because he was so afraid or yeah. During that whole Beyonce, Sasha Fierce thing. I was like, people said that's stupid. I was like, no, nah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I think too, cause like a lot of, uh, you know, artists and creators 
tend to be sensitive people or sometimes not the most extroverted if you actually know them. So like they have to have a bit of a, a persona in order to like do those things. Yeah. I w- so how how is the indie comics or small press comic scene treated you over the years? Has it always been welcoming? Was it hard for you to get your footing? Do you travel a lot or do you stick within like a kind of a the northeastern corridor cuz I know they have a, like a lot of good shows in New York and then they have like, you know, SPX down here. Mm-hmm. Um I've kind of I mean, in terms of where I travel, so when I first started making comics, I was actually, when I first started making comics seriously, I was living in California. So I was doing like Ape, which was in um, San Francisco, and that was like pretty much it. Um, And then when I moved back to the East Coast, I, yeah, just started doing ones in the Northeast. So yeah, New York shows, um, you know, SPX, which is further down, um, and then like Massachusetts shows, uh, Brooklyn, um, I mean, it, shows add up, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's not always the most, I think an issue is like, when we think about like privilege, uh, even in comics is realizing the effort and the money that it takes to be able to sustain this lifestyle, especially if you want to grow your quote unquote, like comics brand or whatever, like you have to be willing to like go to shows and like there's money that goes with all those things, printing your comics, traveling, um, all of that. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's a hard thing to, to do. Um, not to mention like if you have other issues going on, such as like having a kid, which I don't have to worry about at this time, but like, you know, um, so where was I going with that? So, yeah, I mostly stick on the East Coast. I, I did do CXC in Ohio last year, and I'm going to do it again this year. Um, but, yeah, unless I have, like, you know, somebody's, like, going to sponsor me to co- go out to the West Coast, it's going to be – it's probably unlikely that I'll go unless I have, like, a major book or something like that, you know, and it's, like, I can I can afford to do that. Anyhow, going back to, like, how comics is, indie comics has treated me – um, I mean, I'll, like, I'll say this, like, I feel like I have, like, really genuine friends and supporters and a network of people right now in comics that, you know, value me for who I am and for the type of work that I make, and I feel very thankful for that, and I also feel very, you know, I've also put a lot, invested it a lot over the years, like, I have sacrificed, like, many people, like, everything from, like, my social life to, like, you know, extra savings to, you know, prep my comics, things like that. Um, but it's never, it's not always been easy. Um, I, I think especially when I first came into comics, like I was number one, I was like younger. So I, I probably thought my work was a lot better than it actually was. So I, I didn't really have an, I had no idea of where I fit within like the industry. What I guess what I was saying is like when I was in my 20s, I felt a lot more confident, but ultimately less knowledgeable than I do now. And now I feel more private and a little bit more distanced from indie comics, like the the day and the daily stuff. But I st- I feel more like grounded in what I'm doing and the thing the types of things I do in comics. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but. No, because I think sometimes when you're older, you actually, especially if you're more experienced, you kind of know what goes into it versus being younger and more like, ah, and you like run out. It's like you just run out in the battle like, ah, like I'm awesome. Yeah, it's true. You know, you get older, you get a little bit more experienced. You'd be like, I need more potions for this, you know, like I need. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I used to not like think twice about putting up some like silly diary comic on my like blog spot. Cause that's, you know what I was doing back then. But now it's just like, I don't have the time to like, to do that. Um, 
and also like I, I don't know I, I also feel myself pulling back on social media a little bit like I just don't care to share everything anymore um, but it's it's tricky because I feel like comics has become this thing where you have to have this like online personality to like be your brand and like that like I don't know, feels uncomfortable to me on a very deep level and I'm still trying to deal with it but you know um, but things are fine right now. But yeah, they weren't necessarily easy in the beginning. And like you mentioned before, like there weren't a lot of black people in the indie comic scene. Um, there still aren't, but like there especially weren't like years ago. And I, I, I definitely felt that back then, you know. So. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of social media, do you think? Um, do you think it's a? Do you think it's affecting you? just wanting to just deal with what's going on and it affecting maybe like you making your work. Cause it might put you in a bad mental place. And I say that because I talk with friends, some of the people we, we, you know, mutual friends of ours and like people like me and Ron might talk cause I know him for about 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And like, like social media is like, it's causing me wanting to tap out. Like, I don't care. I don't share a lot of personal stuff anyway, but it seems like uh, a mix between the different type of things people get outraged for, which I feel sometimes isn't well thought out before people get into outrage into how they plan to do these attacks and responses versus like just the glut of just so much stuff all the time and it seems like it's giving more and more people anxiety especially the younger cartoonists like i can see like the way they talk about things is like maybe you guys should just like walk away yeah i mean um i definitely feel like things have accelerated in the past few years and like to be honest it's not like i've been in comics for like super long but i even in that time i've noticed an acceleration of like especially on like twitter and stuff like that and i mean i think there's even studies that show like if you if you're on social media all the time and like that's how you're venting your frustrations or calling people out like it's not great for your like mental emotional health like at least for me like and everybody's different but i I've had to set limits for myself because I know that when I overuse social media or if I'm like personally dealing with something difficult and I'm going on there to like, you know, deal with it that way, it's just not, it's not healthy. Um, plus like it breeds this weird, like, um, like, yeah, there's a call, the call out culture, which, you know, is I, I don't, I'm not personally comfortable with. Um, and, um, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I also like, like I said, my attention span is questionable. So like if I'm on Twitter, like that's going to destroy the, like whatever I have remaining of my, my attention span. Like, so that's why I, I pretty much avoid Twitter. I just, I personally know that I can't, I can't like do it a lot, but some people are great at it, you know? And if that's, if that's what they want to do, like go for it. But yeah, I, I mean, that also changes, you know, with age or depending on like if you're working full time and you can't use social media at your job, like there's all sorts of, you know, considerations. So, um, I feel like I could talk about social media forever, but I'm just going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your feelings about, uh, Tumblr? And I mean, comic wise, it seems like some years ago it, it was essentially the new f- like I guess like energy within comics it's like there was a point in which if you want to find out new people in comics you go to Tumblr yeah and now it's like who really goes to Tumblr like mm-hmm. like I don't even check Tumblr anymore and yeah. I noticed it after I saw like a down tick in like interactions with the things I posted. I'm like, well, if nobody's really checking my posts, why should I be here anymore? Yeah. I, uh, no, I hear you. Like, uh, I remember when I switched over from like having a blog spot to Tumblr, cause like everybody was on Tumblr and that was like 
that was the best way to like, you know, see other people's work, to share your work, to like talk to people. It was like really hot for a while. Um, and I, I loved it. I was all about Tumblr. And then all of a sudden it just like slowed down. And then like, I took a break for like a little while. I came back, like I posted a few things, like it was just like crickets. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird though how that happened. And I think a lot of people have like, you know, mentioned how it's really unfortunate for comics that there's not like, there's not a replacement for that, you know, at least yet. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if anyone's really totally completely figured out how to use Instagram for comics. I see experiments, but I don't know if I'm if it's going to get the same attention because it's competing with so much, you know. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that Instagram is good for like you know promote like doing like general promotion, showing like progress shots of work, things like that. But it, yeah, like given like all the different types of formats of comics, like I just don't feel like it's not the same as like being able to like clearly view pages or like look at web comics. It's just, it, it's, it's not the right um, place for it. I don't think. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like there's going to be something soon enough, something new, something will pop up. Well, we'll see, you know, nobody expected Tumblr and exactly. It just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so what's 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 going on in, in the near future for you? Like, what's what's the next year looking like for Wit in comics? Um. Well, uh, I think it's just gonna. I mean, overall, be a continuation of you know uh, what I've been doing. I plan on doing more uh, nonfiction journal. Uh, comics journalism type stuff. Um, hopefully, you know, for the nib and other, other places. Um, so I, I, I like, I like being able to do the nonfiction pieces. I think it's challenging and fun for me. Um, I, um, I have some other projects I can't really talk about right now, but I feel like there's some exciting things and I feel like, I still feel like I'm just getting started. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, I just, <laughs> kind of started making comics like um and that there's like so many stories i want to tell um and i wish i could like be more uh explicit about it but um so well what i'll say is like yeah so the book in Jan comes out in january um so there will be that um and yeah I, I i can't really talk about uh the the things on the horizon yet but i'll be excited to share them when i can okay secrets yeah. secrets <laughs> yeah so can you um can you tell the fine people uh where they can find you online and maybe at future conventions for the remainder of 2017 yeah, totally. Um, so um, you can check out my website, wittaylorcomics.com. Um, don't bother with my Tumblr. It hasn't been updated in a while. Um, so I'd say, yeah, the website's the best place on the nib. You can check out my stuff on the nib. Um, what else? Um, shows. So SPX which will be September 16th and 17th. I'll be tabling there. I'm going to have a new mini comic called Fizzle. I'm going to be promoting our anthology comics for choice. Um, then I have CXC, which is towards the end of September, which is going to be in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'll be at uh, MICE, which is the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo in October. And then I'll be at Comics Art Brooklyn in, at Pratt Institute in, on November 11th. So that's what I have planned for the fall. Oh, yeah. They were having that thing about little alma mater, the, the Comics Art Brooklyn thing. Yeah, they just changed the venue, I guess. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. I was like, wow. Comics wasn't popping like that when I was at Pratt. <laughs> there was no shows at Pratt. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they have a, a cartooning department, though. Yeah, they didn't have it when I was there. They had the, we had the comic book. We put that out. Yeah. We had a good era back when me and uh, 
me and Ron and Dan James was there doing that comic. We was getting it all over the city. It was fun times. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, we had it all over. It was great. Yeah. All right. Um. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for taking the time out to talk with me about your work. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Julian. This is really fun. That's awesome. Ignorant Bliss is on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Mixcloud. It's also a part of the Taylor Network of Podcasts. It is also part of the Critical the Movie Review Network on Blog Talk Radio. Um, you can follow on Twitter, IGBL Podcast. You can follow me at Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E. On all the major social networks, um, Ignorant Bliss is on Facebook. So follow, like, and the such. Ignorant Bliss podcast. Uh, please review the show on everything you can and share it. And the email for the show is ignorantblisspodcast at gmail.com. Always check for the show notes for links to the people that's on the show, along with uh, any other little factoids and links to how to listen to the show and my playlist for the show also the website for the show is ignorant-bliss.com and peace Stopping me too late I'ma get all the things I like